0: Amen, amen. Well, why don't we take our seats and, you know, I went through church, um, uh, for my formative years and we all, how many of you know we all have formative years where we, we're just there and we're, um, hungry. And we we want to learn and we want to gain an understanding. We want to know some things, some things that we don't know. And we want to gain an understanding in those things that we don't know. And I sat under a pastor for a good many years who every time he got up to the pulpit, he would say, well, God is good. And he would say that every, you know, it was like if you didn't know, you soon came to an understanding that God was good. And he said it in such a way that you never got tired of hearing him say it every time he got up because so many people out there in the world don't know that God's good they don't know that he's a good God and that he's on your side he's not against you in fact if anything he wants to you know jump in and fight with you you know and uh and of course we 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 find that we learn those truths on how how we are uh uh, battling uh, against the, you know, the forces of darkness. That, you know that there are things arrayed against us. Uh, uh, an enemy out there. You know, we have the flesh as well. That's an enemy to us. We have, you know, the world uh, that's an that, that forms up as an enemy. This world system forms up as an enemy. And of course, we have in in, in fact the the uh, forces of darkness headed up by Lucifer, Satan, as we know him. And uh, and that's so We have these battles, but God is good. And so often the church has gotten upset and people in the church have gotten upset because they've attributed the things that the enemy was doing to God doing it. And that's so sad. And it's left them confused, not knowing that, hey, God's on my side. And, uh, you know, your, your, your faith is almost sport before you even start, you know, start believing God for a change. Your faith is already ruined because you're already in doubt and unbelief. How sad that is. So important that we... Renew our minds to the fact that God is good, and uh, and we remind ourselves of that um, uh, frequently. Praise the Lord for the worship team this morning, just out there belting out some good songs that we can just worship and just come and connect into God's heart. You know, and that's that's how we should come to church every Sunday. You know, and in fact, uh, even better through the week, we'd be those people that continue to draw near to God. You know, knowing that He wants to draw near to us. But, you know, we've got to take that, that first step, don't we? We've got to sow that first seed, don't we, Greg? You know, it's that first step that, you know, if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. And, uh, and we'll have that close fellowship, that close relationship with him that he so desires. You know, I like, I like to think about, you know, even going right back into the Garden of Eden. He came walking in the cool of the evening. What was he there for? To, to inspect and judge what they were doing? No. He was there for fellowship. He was there for sweet communion with his creation. And you know, when you, as a Christian, develop that understanding that God's good and He wants your fellowship, how exciting your Christian life becomes! And uh, and just just waiting for those moments when He shows you something about the future, you know, something of the prophetic, something that you didn't know something that you uh, uh, hadn't even entered into your mind. I remember just uh, recently we were praying out of Ephesians 3.20 where it says, and uh, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. You couldn't even think how good he could be on your behalf. But he's that good. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we are um, we are speaking about another area this morning, but I just wanted to encourage you this morning. Remind yourself through the week that God's good and he's on your side. He's with you. He's not against you. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Well, well, we're currently uh, in a series uh, uh, that we've started, and of course, we were joking a little bit about it last week because we, from week to week, we're sort of we know it's a series, but we can't haven't got a name for it yet. And um, I believe the Lord's going to drop a name in soon, so we can have a name for the series. And uh, I believe it'll be a blessing um, when we we, uh, do know what the name is. But it's it's one that we've started on. We were, if if you're wanting to get a bit of connection, you could go up. Onto the uh, church website and get last week's message and download that, and you'll be able to listen in. But um, we're currently into the series, and of course, what we're recognising and reminding ourselves is that, that that as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, and we do become a peculiar people in Christ, don't we? <laughs> Why are you laughing, Greg? <laughs> am I doing? Am I doing something peculiar? <laughs> but. Um, we, we, we are a peculiar people. And of course, we march to the beat of a different drum. Amen. We start we start living differently in Christ. Um, and that the, the work that the Lord has done on the inside of us is a work that starts with the new birth. Amen. Being born again. And uh, our spirit receives a washing. It receives a regeneration. It receives a renewing. And, uh, and of course, uh, the key to that fruitful Christian life is to walk in that new spirit. We need to get good at that church, walking in that new spirit, not walking in the flesh, but walking in the spirit. Amen. Not sowing to the flesh. In other words, that's where we give room for the flesh or or. Um, uh, in in some respects, looking to get something good out of the flesh. No, we don't want to get anything good out of the flesh. It's got nothing good for us. Amen. We want to get and reap from the Spirit. And, uh, and, of course, we've looked at a few scriptures. You know, we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks that the confusion and even frustration for many Christians is that they attempt to be saved by their good works. They attempt to be saved by that. Or by their law-keeping. And you're going to hear that word a little bit this morning, law-keeping. They have uh, a works-based salvation, always trying to measure up. But what we must see is that it's wasted energy. Wasted energy. And uh, we'll look at a few verses to get ourselves going this morning. A couple uh, of, uh, uh, we could say a recap uh, verses. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21. Look what it says. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died in vain. Or, as the uh, New King James says, Christ died for nothing. Amen. I'll say that again. Pastor June was right online there this morning with 2 Corinthians five twenty uh, one. Uh, uh, he became our sin. This is the great substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross uh, over 2,000 years ago. Where he became our sin that we might become his righteousness. That great substitution. And it says it again here in Galatians 2.21. For I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died for nothing. Good verse. Good thing just to remind ourselves about. Problem with that failed approach is that it is a focus on the wrong thing. And it results in an attitude that's expressed through self-condemnation, if you're sort of viewing yourself that way. And, of course, even worse, condemnation and judgment of others as you try and get them to measure up to the law, which everyone's going to fail at. And so judgment and condemnation comes uh, from those who who are stuck in that um, uh, that way of thinking. And how's this? When bank tellers are being taught to uh, uh, recognise counterfeit banknotes, they don't teach them what a counterfeit looks like. They don't do that. They get them researching and reviewing and looking at the authentic banknotes. You look at the real so you can then see and understand and immediately recognise a counterfeit. So we've got to behold the truth. We've got to see uh, and and recognise um, the authentic uh, ever met a legalistic Christian? I know I have once or twice in my Christian life. And if you're reasonably discerning, uh, you can sense the spirit of legalism at 10 metres. Um, and, uh, you know, salvation by works, Christian law keeping is focused on making our flesh better. Okay? Through our own adherence to the law. That's what it does. But as we saw last week, the problem that we have is that the flesh is weak. The flesh will never measure up. As we saw, uh, the law was like a schoolmaster uh, that brought us to Christ. And uh, if you remember, I gave a little analogy of uh, my days in year seven. Um, And things that occurred there in year seven um, uh, with a a schoolmaster in the classroom. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3 to 4 says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Best way to put it is, is that we get born again, our our spirit gets renewed, and we in that in that in that newness have the opportunity to start walking with the Holy Spirit, in relationship with Him. And I wouldn't live another way. I tell you, now that I've learned how to live that way, I wouldn't live another way. It's just all there is. I wouldn't go back to trying to be satisfied by flesh, things, natural, carnal things. I wouldn't wouldn't try and go back to that. And I did live that way for 21 years. And I found that the new life in Christ is so much better. It's so exciting when God drops something into your heart. Sometimes it's early in the morning and that early part, that early in the morning bit's a bit hard to take. But the Lord wants to get your attention, I guess, you know, and he, so he gets you early in the morning. And I, I woke up on, um, I believe it was Monday morning with a vision from the Lord. And uh, it was a fun vision. I woke up laughing as, 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 uh, as I mused on what he was saying to me uh, through this vision. Who plays golf? You play golf? It was a... Um, it was a, uh, a tee shot from the rough, OK? Best way I could describe it. And I was, it was an elevated rough position, so it was like going down onto the, the, the green toward the pin or the flag, OK? And whoever I was playing with was holding the flag, thinking I wouldn't get it in because it was off, you know, off the rough into the, onto the green. And, and uh, the funny thing about this vision is I hit that ball with such gusto that you wouldn't expect anyone to hit that ball with such gusto. But I hit that ball with such gusto that it hit the flag, knocked the flag out of the way, dropped into the hole, and the person who was holding on to the flag fell over, (laughs) (laughs) laughing. And that's how I woke up. And the Lord spoke to me about some things out of that and gave me a few words out of that about about authority, about um, accuracy, about joy, and uh, he said a few things to me about that. About that, where to live that way, you know. And um, and you know, the thing is, with God on our side, we can be accurate. Amen. And not only that, but we can have joy as well. We can have the joy of the Lord springing up in our lives because He's with us. He's working in our lives. Amen. 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 So you know, um, you know, we we uh, uh, recognize that walking in the Spirit takes us through a lifestyle where we are hearing from him. We are being led by the Spirit of God. Had another amazing experience through the week as well, where where the Lord just, again, through an unusual set of circumstances, led me to contact someone and to find such synergy in contacting that complete stranger, such synergy in in things that we're doing here as a ministry and as a church. I was was stunned at the way that he did that. And um, I had no idea what I was doing. And yet he works something out of it. We need to walk by faith, don't we? You know, not by what we can see, but by what we believe. Amen. So Galatians chapter three and verse three, it says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And we've looked at this a few weeks in a row because it speaks about how we start the Christian life in the spirit. We start that way. He, the, the start of the Christian life is the new birth. We get born again, and having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And that's that—that that energy that we put into trying to be better, trying to be the, you know, the person that we're supposed to be. When God says, "I've, I've, already, I've already perfected you through my work in your spirit," there's a perfected work there. Amen. He has perfected forever them that are being what sanctified. Amen. You know, um, the Amplified Version brings it out a little bit further. It says, are you so foolish and senseless, it says, having begun your new life by faith with the Spirit, are you now being perfected and, and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh? That is, to, uh, that is by your own works and efforts to keep the law. And we're going to talk about that. Keeping the law bit. The early church had um, a crisis over the question of law keeping. And the beauty of the early church is we can read in the book of Acts how it all uh, 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 played out. They had seen great revival. The preaching of the gospel was, was uh, uh, doing all that it was designed to do. Uh, the you know, the, the lost were being saved, the uh, signs and wonders and miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit working through them. They uh, were working with God and, uh, and, and God's people being discipled. We see all of that going on uh, in the early church. But some of the born again Jews had started to say, well, the Gentiles, the non Jews, need to be circumcised. Some of you who have read the Bible a little bit would know what I'm talking about. And we'll see that they were actually saying they need to be uh, born again and as well keep the law of Moses. That's really what they were saying. And we're going to look at that and we're going to see that. So, so the first church council was convened to discuss what the official position of the church should be on law keeping. Because this division within the church was already gathering momentum in the church. That you not only need to be born again, but you've got to keep the law. Keep the law of Moses. You need to be circumcised. And um, and follow through all the, um, uh, the the ceremonies and rituals. Look at Acts chapter 15 and verse uh, 1 to 2. So, oh, oh, it goes off down the bottom a little bit. Okay. And certain men came down from Ju- Judea and taught the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. All my alarm bells would have been going on if I was a pastor in that church. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, in other words, a bit of an argument uh, started to play out and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. And Peter addresses the assembly, gets a good word in, uh, and makes the case for salvation based on faith and not works. Gets a good word in. Notice how he makes it clear how we are purified. I want you to see this. In the next uh, passage, it says, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to the men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that uh, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And so God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, how did he purify their hearts? How did he purify their hearts? By faith. Purifying their hearts by faith. It was a work in their spirit. They were born again by faith. Amen. Just as those well-known verses in Ephesians tell us, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Again, Pastor June was sharing that in his communion message this morning. Verse uh, uh, 10 through to 11 of Acts 15. It says, Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Hallelujah. Let's read on. Acts chapter 15 again, verse 12, and it says, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So in other words, they were saying, look, God's at work among the Gentiles. He's not excluding them because they're not keeping the law of Moses or they're not circumcised. He's working in the midst of them. Amen. Gentiles are being saved. The non-Jews were being saved at that time. From many nations, and uh, and after they had become silent, James answered, saying, "Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name. So here is James. You know, he stands and makes his decree. He determines that the best conclusion is to write a letter and send it back through the churches." You know, all the other churches, you write a letter and you take it with you, you know, and so the early church would would know beyond doubt. They, you know, they they sent it with trusted people. And uh, and and of course, uh, what is basically in that letter is that law keeping is out. No longer required, no longer something for those that are born again, those that are saved and we'll read it up there in Acts chapter 15, verse 22 to 23, it says, that it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. So it's a bit like, how do we know that's an authentic letter? It's not these two guys that are saying this by themselves. What they did was they sent some people who were known. They sent some leadership along, you know, and um, and it, it says, and they wrote this letter by them in verse 23, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. All right, let's read the letter. And we'll know for ourselves, too, as we should, that what was being said then was not just for them, it was for us as well to hear this. Let's read the letter, Acts chapter 15 and verse 24 to 26. It says, since we have heard that some who went out from, uh, from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law. So it wasn't just you had to be circumcised. It was you had to be circumcised and keep the law. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of male Gentiles who were very relieved to hear that bit about circumcision. You know, <laughs> you know the, we can, we can, we can we not, you know, would be uh, the thought among many of the, the male uh, Gentiles. And it says, um, uh, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you uh, with, with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice that the counterfeit doctrine was you must be circumcised and you must keep the law. And, uh, and again, we see in verse 27, the rest of the letter. We have therefore sent, in verse 27 to verse 29, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, listen to this part, to lay upon uh, you no greater burden than these necessary things. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood. From things strangled, from sexual immorality, if you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. I don't know about anyone else, but this would have been a great opportunity to add 40 rules, you know. Uh, this would have been a great opportunity to, to add, you know, uh, a new Christian manifesto for the churches in those regions and, 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 and Christian God. But that was not the intent of this letter. The, the, you know, the, the, the substance of it was that they were now to be led by the Spirit of God, you know, in their lifestyle. So the Gentiles are given two things to abstain from. Idolatry, so worshipping other gods and getting involved with the food that's offered to other gods and the, and the blood and all those things. Um, and, and, and then, of course, the other one was adultery or sexual immorality. So abstain from these things and you you'll do well. Just to abstain. And that was these were things that were rife in the areas. These things were going on all around them. Idolatry and adultery. So the the Gentiles are given these things to abstain from. And you know, the normal Christian life is to grow in the Word of God and learn to be led by the Spirit of God. That's the normal Christian life. Not just to be so full of the Word. You know, the Bible says that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We're to give ourselves to the word and to the spirit amen and uh, you know this is the this is where growth uh, in our lives come from and learn to be led by the Spirit of God from within our own born-again spirit you know you, you say well what does that take? just a little bit of discipline in the mornings maybe just stepping into prayer and and actually having some uh, uh, conversations with the Lord just from your own heart. so very important to get into that you know, as a lifestyle. And you watch how quickly God steps into that arena with you, into that space with you, as you become a prayer person. You watch how quickly he'll come and commune with you and talk with you and speak with you. Show you things to come, the Bible says. I don't know, I like that bit. I want to know what's going to happen next, you know, and I want to know that I'm online and I'm I'm stepping in line with the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's an exciting lifestyle. And um, it's so that growth should continue. Amen? Continued gratitude and thanksgiving for what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. Because that sacrifice of his is the is the basis for our salvation. That is the place where we receive the gift of righteousness. Right standing with God. When we first believed on Jesus. You know, you're never going to be any more um, righteous than what you were then. In your Christian life, when you first receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, after the service, we're going to give an opportunity for those that maybe are with us. Not sure. We have a few visitors with us today uh, who maybe have never prayed a prayer of salvation, never prayed the prayer that gets you believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says when we do that, believe in the heart, confess with the mouth, we shall be saved. And people often ask, how do you then lose your salvation? We're not called to keep the law. How can we get it wrong? It's as we go away from God that we get it wrong. Amen? It's as we deny Jesus that we get it wrong. And you say, well, what what, what are you going to do to deny Jesus? You have to believe that in your heart and confess that with your mouth. Get those two together. And that's how you lose your salvation. That's how you lose what God has given you. Whatever you do as a Christian, no matter how mature you think you are, never point the finger at other people and say, how can they be saved? Because of behavior, because of what they're doing or uh, things that they they seem to be uh, stuck in. Never question their salvation. God's not called you to do that. That's his job. And of course, We see very, very clearly from scripture how it is that you do lose your salvation. Uh, You can look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. There's a very clear definition. You know, it, it talks about even the believer that's unfaithful. How that the Lord even continues to abide faithful. But if we deny him, he'll deny us. And that's a very serious consequence for the believer. And I say, I, I say this often, that it's a very, very hard road to get onto as a Christian. I call it the hard road because it's where you become insensitive toward God, insensitive toward his spirit, and you start to walk away from him. And you know, people say, oh, you, you used to be a Christian, you used to walk with the Lord, and you know, you used to do this and you used to do that. And, 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 and you go, yeah, but I still believe. And it's like the, the safe place, as I still believe. But this is what I'm concerned about when I hear people talking that way, is, is that hard road will take you to the place where your hard heart begins to speak. The hard heart that doesn't really believe anymore will actually have a Confession. And, um, you know, the sad thing is I I started this morning talking about a pastor who in my formative years taught me a lot about the word of God and taught me some things. But I happen to know that that he has done that, not believing on God anymore, denied the Lord Jesus. And uh, and that so saddens me, you know, because because uh, so many people were were touched by the ministry that that the Lord used him in. But he got onto a hard road. You know, the flesh, uh, the flesh uh, became the ruler, not the spirit. That's a sad thing. Last scripture, Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. We looked at this again last week, but I want to just finish on this again. It says, but thanks be to God that though you were once slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed. The form of teaching to which you were committed, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. In other words, you want to know what the Christian life is. The Christian life is no longer serving sin, but serving that righteousness, serving that right standing with God that we receive as a gift, not as a, um, a as a, a reward. That right standing with God, we serve that. And how, what, what's the best way to serve that? Let me just, just you know, throw out a rhetorical question there for you. What's the best way to serve that? Is to tell others about it. Tell others about how God is so good that He sent Jesus to die on the cross, that we might, you know, as a people, uh, come to know Him through that, um, through that sacrifice. Come to know God, the God of all creation. Amen. That's that's the thing that we're called to do. That's how we're to serve righteousness you know, telling others that God is so good that he became sin for us that we might become his righteousness. Amen. This is where we're no longer slaves to sin but become those slaves to righteousness. Serving righteousness. You know, that word slaves, not such a probably good word, but servants of sin, servants of righteousness. You know, we get to choose and I know which one is the best. I know which one that's um, been a blessing in my life and that's serving righteousness. Amen. Well, God bless you. And I'm going to make that invitation again this morning. And, you know, if you're here this morning, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Um, if you're here this morning and maybe you've heard some things today that, uh, you know, challenge maybe some of your uh, historical thinking, maybe some, some thoughts that you had about, about uh, what it meant to, to, to be a believer as a Christian. I want to challenge you this morning. If you've never asked Jesus to become your Lord and Saviour if you've never invited him to, to um, uh, be real in your life, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning that uh, he's here today to meet you. He's here today, present, um, to make himself known to you in a way in which you could not deny him. And um, it's just a little prayer. And just after we sing this last song, if you would like to come on down the front, just over to um, um, my, my right here, Um, I believe that the Lord's here to to meet you and uh, and, and show you a salvation that touches your very heart, your very inner being. And uh, it's an exciting lifestyle to live, I assure you. I'm pushing 40 years in it now, and I wouldn't be doing anything else. Amen. Praise the Lord.